Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 3, Term 1. This is Lesson 7. We're going to continue where we left off. Just to get us all back up to speed in the classroom, we're going to begin in John chapter 3 and verse 30, and I'm just going to read the scriptures. Remember again that John's disciple is having a bit of an issue with Jesus and his popularity and their decreasing popularity, as they feel. And in verse 30, John makes a tremendous statement, and he says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Now remember again that that was talking about Jesus Christ's popularity needs to increase. People need to go to Him. And we also talked about the fact that, you know, in our life, Christ must increase, we must decrease. But something else is also important here, that we point people to Christ, not to ourselves. He must increase, we must decrease. Do you understand? Sometimes we get a little bit too caught up in, you know, oh, we're the one that did this and we're the one that did that. And we have to be so careful that we're not pointing people to ourselves. We must decrease. He must increase. Amen? Let's continue. Verse 31, he goes on to say, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. Remember again, besides other things, he was saying that Jesus Christ is above all because he comes from heaven and he knows about heavenly things. All I can tell you is about the things of this earth. Amen? Amen. Verse 32, And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. So, he's saying, listen, what he talks to you about isn't his opinion, isn't this rabbi said this and that rabbi said that. It's about what he knows. And he's saying he is sharing that information with us, and people are not receiving it. And they are literally talking about uh, the Jews The community that should be receiving him, should be welcoming him, should understand every word that's coming out of his mouth is rejecting him. Amen? And he goes on to say in verse 33, oh there we go, I lost my place. He goes on to say in verse 33, he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. So he's saying that in receiving what he says, then you, you bear witness and you confirm that God is true. Amen? Because remember again, the reason that that is brought out as well, is remember, God said, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. If God said that, and then they reject him, they are rejecting what God has said. Do you get it? Okay? So in receiving him, then they agree and they acknowledge that that was God speaking, and they are in agreement with what he has said, and receiving his gift to us. Amen. Alright, verse 34, and he says, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Notice, for he who God has sent. The priest didn't send him. The religious institution didn't send him. I'm making a distinction here. There are a lot of religious institutions that send out priests. Not a lot of them are sent from God. That was just their career choice. Now, some are amazing, and you take your head off to them. Okay, they have found their place, and praise God, those are extraordinary individuals. But, you know, not everybody does it for the right reason. I still remember um, one of my congregational members complaining to me, you know, that he had gone and spoken to the priest that he was going to at the time. And uh, the priest looked at his watch and said, well, it's five o'clock, I'm finished work now, that's it, come back tomorrow. And he said, 
I thought this was a calling. I didn't know it was something you go and clock in and clock out. So not everybody is sent by God, you understand? So here again, he makes a distinction and he says, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. Or God gives the Spirit without limit. So here he's saying that the person that God has sent is a person that is walking on a level where he receives the Spirit without measure. And so he can move in the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, on a level that is limitless. Hallelujah. So should we. See, who's writing this? John. He's the same person that said, Behold, what manner of love is this that we should be called the children of God. You see, he's writing that in light of all of the things that he has recorded. If this... God's sons. See, there was no sons of God until Jesus came. Do you all understand? They were all servants before then. But following His death, burial, and resurrection, we all became sons and daughters of God, which is huge. We still don't get it. We still don't understand that we are not in the place of servant. We are in the place of son and daughter. Okay? And in Christ, we're all sons. Do you understand? Because, okay? Because God doesn't see gender in Christ. If you're in Christ then you are God's son. Female and male. You are God's son. Isn't that beautiful? Okay. So he doesn't go, oh, it's a girl. <laughs> we'll deal with her in a different way. No. He deals with you like he would deal with Jesus. You pray, you get it. That's Jesus. Amen. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. You know what I'm trying to say? He doesn't care about that. That's why one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight, as long as they're males. No. Okay, it says one can put a thousand. Of, well, the, the scripture actually isn't exactly that, but we like to say it that way because it makes a little bit more sense in our head. But if one can put a thousand to fly, then two can put ten thousand. Okay, and it doesn't matter the gender because that's how it is. That's what the revelation John got, and he was just astounded that everything that he saw Jesus doing. We can now do. That's why they couldn't kill him. Do you know why? Because Jesus said, Nobody can take my life. I lay it down. I pick it up. Nobody can take it from me. I, I reckon John was the only one that picked up on that. Amen. And they came to the other disciples. It's like, oh, okay, they're all dropping like flies. You know, okay? They come to him. And he doesn't, he doesn't take. No. He stands and goes, No, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. I pick it up. I don't want to lay it down today. We're not ready to go home yet. Absolutely. And they say, Boil him in oil. It didn't work. Yeah. Amen. You see, you might think, you know, How is that possible? Well, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm. Or like <laughs> one of the <laughs> preachers say, Yorshak, Meshach, and a bungalow. You know? <laughs> okay? you know, the three children of, you know, they were taken in to throw in the fire. They danced around. All the people that took them in burnt up. So the fire was hot. Okay? Because the guy said, make it seven times as hot as it normally is. And so everybody taking him just died on the way in. And yet they go, they dance, they come out. Do you understand? If they can do that, then hallelujah. You know they couldn't kill John. Amen. Anyway, moving on. Verse 35. So here we meant to be. <laughs> Sorry, it took so long to get here. He says here, the Father... Now, let me make this statement first. 
The fact that Jesus Christ has a spirit without measure is further proof that what he says comes directly from God the Father and is again divine in nature. Even further to all of this is what the Apostle John goes on to say in the next verse, and that is the Father, this is John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Now, one thing, just, just uh, by the way, this happens to be one of the seven times in John's Gospel where we are told that the Father loves the Son. Why is that brought out in John's Gospel? This corresponds to the way John talks about the Jews as the Jews. Okay? Because he sees the Jews having crucified Jesus, whom the Father loves. So he's always playing this one against the other. Because they, were, they felt so righteous in what they did. And he wants to remind them over and over again, seven times over, the person you crucified, the Father loves him. How is that going to work out for you? Not so well. <laughs> okay? Which is why Jesus would say all the things he said to them. Anyway, as a result, as D.A. Carson says, because of his love for the Son, the Father has given the Spirit to him without limit and has placed everything in his hands. Wow. Amen? So in conclusion, the Apostle John says in John 3 and verse 36... He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. This is a tremendous verse. I almost think this verse is better than John 3.16. How can you say that? When I finish with it, you'll understand. I know there's not a lot of notes on it, but let me give you a revelation on it today. But let me read the notes first, okay? <laughs> William MacDonald says that this is one of the clearest verses in all the Bible on how a person can be saved. It is simply by believing in the Son. Notice that there is nothing in this verse about keeping the law, obeying the golden rule, going to church, doing the best we can, or working our way to heaven. Hmm? D.A. Carson says, I'll discuss all this in just a minute. D.A. Carson says that this verse is a fitting climax to the entire chapter. By laying out the two alternatives, genuine faith and defiant disobedience, this verse once more brings to the forefront the threat of looming judgment. Therefore, as Leon Morris puts it, when people put their trust in Christ, they are reborn from above. They are alive eternally. However, anyone who continues in unbelief and disobedience can look for nothing other than the persisting wrath of God. Now, why the persisting wrath of God and why do I think this verse is so wonderful? Notice it says in verse 36 again, But the wrath of God abides on him. That's the persisting wrath of God. Do you understand? So people that are continually... In unbelief and disobedience. So we're talking about a very small group of people here. Okay, People that reject the gospel, who are defiant in their rejection. We're looking at Pharisees and Sadducees and people that were just after Jesus. They did not want him there because A, he took away all of their finances. B, he took away all of their people. C, he took away all of their credibility. Okay, because they sort of rode on a certain perception people had about the priesthood. And they just milked it. 
They took advantage of people and did everything they shouldn't do. They were the most ungodly things walking around. Which is why Jesus said, you know, you take these people and make them twice the child of hell by the time you finish with them. Huh? I mean, they're already going to hell. Now you just, <laughs> you just seal their fate. And he, you know, there was a lot of things that were said that shows you that there are some people that are just incredibly difficult to deal with. Alright? And they don't want to change. It may be because of a moral issue. See, there's a difference between having an emotional issue and a moral issue. If your rebellion is coming from, I want to live a certain lifestyle, and this is getting in the way of my lifestyle, which is very, very bad, that's a moral issue. Do you understand the difference? Okay, we're going to move on. I don't the, the thing that I want to bring out here, this, this verse is s- tremendous for this reason. And I want you to see it today. Remember this verse, okay? John 3.36 He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who what? Believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Why is this so special to me? It has nothing to do with confession. It has nothing to do with all the things that we say you have to do to go to heaven. It brings in something that I have always believed for the longest time. That there are people in their hearts have received God. Have never made it public to anybody. Mm? And not wanted to join in a religious organization because they're so religious. They've wanted to just keep that to themselves. And they've had a relationship with God. And you can tell that, but they never tell you they're a Christian. And they never go to church. Now, don't take this as a, you don't ever have to come to church, okay? <laughs> this is not, I'm not talking about that, okay? But I need you to understand this. Don't be too quick and don't allow people to be too quick to say, oh, that person went to hell because they never confessed Jesus as Lord. You don't know when they believed. You don't know what's going on on the inside of them. They might have never spoken a word. And yet they believe. Do you know why this verse is also so important? It tells us that for all those people that can't utter a word out of their mouth because they're mute, go to heaven. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen. They just had to believe. They just had to believe. And yeah, yeah, the Bible didn't say with hand signals you can get to heaven. No. Okay. Do you understand the relevance of this scripture? You don't know who's saved. Don't make judgments on people. You have no idea. Amen? And if you feel like somebody was saved and somebody comes, some very religious individual comes and says, Well, bless God, they didn't do this and this and they didn't read, you know, they didn't go off my little hymnal book and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? If they believed, take them to this verse. Say, let me show you a verse you might have never seen before. And you say, look at this verse. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. That's it. Do you know if they believed? Well, they never said it. No, no, no. But you don't know what they believed. You don't know. Amen? Now we know the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
But in some societies, you open your mouth and you die. Amen. So the Bible also says, be wise as serpents, not dumb as donkeys. No. <laughs> it says, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Amen. And we need to be that way. Hallelujah. All right. Did you all receive that revelation? Can I move on? Okay. Like I said, you know, I don't want to just rush through this because there are principles and, and nuggets in here that I want you to get. I need you to see and understand that this is, this is what this college is all about. Let's move to John chapter 4. Hallelujah. I'm going to meet the Samaritan woman now at Jacob's well. So following the Lord's first miracle, that's changing water into wine, His first temple cleansing, and his first discourse with Nicodemus on being reborn from above, the next event recorded in chronological order is in John chapter 4, where the Apostle John says, and we'll be reading in verses 1 through 3, Therefore when the Lord knew, or literally had come to know, that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, this is what they heard, okay? Though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Alright, so first in relation to Jesus baptizing more disciples than John, we've talked about this before, William Hendrickson writes, the religious leaders of Jerusalem, are you all following me here? Because I need you to follow me, because I need to give a little, I missed something, so at a certain point I'll ask you to add something, okay? So follow me. The religious leaders of Jerusalem, who in the day of John's great popularity, had been filled with jealousy, rejoiced. And they should be over John's imprisonment. Needs to be added in there. Okay, so I want to put a little asterisk and, and send it down to the bottom of the page and just add those words over John's imprisonment. Okay, are those you don't know why they rejoiced? So the religious leaders of Jerusalem, who in the day of John's great popularity had been filled with jealousy, rejoiced over John's imprisonment. But this joy... I'll, I'll wait... I'm sorry, I can see you. Still right? Yeah, we're good. But this joy was short-lived. <laughs> For other tidings reached the Pharisees, namely, that the multitudes surrounding Jesus were more numerous than those which followed John the Baptist. Okay? Hence, from the point of view of the members of the Sanhedrin, matters were becoming worse instead of better. Okay, so, isn't that interesting? You know, just when the devil thinks, that's it, we got rid of that, something else starts up somewhere else, and it's worse than the first one to them. Better for us, worse for them. Amen? And because there was more people turning up to Jesus. Remember, the difference between what Jesus was doing and what John was doing. John was baptizing. Jesus was healing. Can I also share something with you? It's very interesting. Let me, let me take a minute with this. I hope you don't mind. I think it's very interesting that Jesus didn't baptize. Right? Now, why do I think that's interesting? We go through all sorts of things when we say, well, if you want to be healed, you know, I know people, I know churches will say, well, have you been baptized? Are you this? They'll go through a whole list of questions. It's almost like you need all these prerequisites before we can pray for you for healing. Isn't it interesting? Jesus never did that. Okay, while John's baptizing on one side, Jesus is ministering and healing on the other end. I think that is very significant. 
which tells us something. And people that get so caught up in the ritual of baptism, and you know, saying, well, if you, you, you have to do this, you have to be baptized, you have to be water baptized before, blah, 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 blah. Well, isn't it interesting? And Jesus never baptized anybody. It says that. He, doesn't, he didn't baptize anybody. But dear God, He healed them all. Can we read something into this? God doesn't care about all of our little rituals down here. He will and has always looked on the heart of an individual. Amen? That's why Jesus, you know, we're going to, I know we haven't got to a lot of these things, but we're going to see when He gets to certain people, uh, the, the man in the pool of Bethesda, for example, He'll heal him and He'll say, don't sin. Unless something worse will come upon you. Now, that's later on in the temple. He meets up with him and tells him that. This guy gave up Jesus like a second, man. I mean, he just... Wow, you know, just... just I don't know whether he was stupid. <laughs> okay? I, I, we don't know. Alright? Or whether he was just yellow through and through. Or had absolutely no sense of loyalty. I, I don't know. I have no idea. When we get to that story, we'll discuss all these things. Because there's another guy that gets healed... That has been blind all of his life. This is not Bartimaeus, okay? And, you know, and the Pharisees grill him. And instead of giving Jesus up, he, does, he, does, he flips it on them. He says, why do you want to know? Do you want to be his disciples too? And they, oh, they get so upset and they're spitting and carrying on and kick him out of the church. You know, if people kick you out of church like that, praise God, you're not meant to be there. That's not God's church. You weren't going to God's church. You're going to something else. Full of vipers and snakes. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> Let's not go there. Alright. <laughs> we went there. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Alright. <laughs> so, I just, I just want you to see some of the things as we go. Because, you know, we may not finish the series until, you know, Jesus might come before we finish. No, <laughs> the way we're going. Anyway. <laughs> well, somebody was happy about that. Alright. <laughs> Next, in relation to the fact... That it was not Jesus who did the baptizing, but his disciples, according to verse 2. William Hendrickson says, No one must ever be able to boast, I was baptized by the Lord himself in person, whereas you were baptized by a mere disciple. Hmm? Interestingly, even the Apostle Paul understood the Lord's reasoning and said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Isn't that interesting? He says, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made to no effect. Paul says, Christ didn't send me to baptize. That doesn't mean he didn't baptize. But understand that he didn't see that as something that, well, we better baptize you first before we do anything. Like some people think that's, that's so important. Now, let, let me balance this out. The Lord speaking to me, I need to share this with you. You do whatever is important to the person. If they need to be baptized, baptize them. If they say, I think I'm okay, they're okay, don't win them. <laughs> okay? They're okay, they get it. There are some people that need physical things to help them get over the line. Other people, something has happened inside them. They don't need to get wet, they, they got it. it. Inside, they went boom. And they know a miracle happened. They just need to know, what do I do next? Amen? And they're looking for an intelligent answer, not a religious one. That's right. That's right. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Alright. We'll, we'll finish in just a moment. The reason for this is simple. Alright? And clearly brought up now, again, we're talking about uh, what Paul understood. 
in 1 Corinthians 1.17 about what Jesus did. And again, for, for the, the reason, excuse me, for this is simple and clearly brought out just two verses before when he simply says in 1 Corinthians 1.15, So no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Isn't that interesting? The Apostle Paul himself said, I don't want anybody walking around saying, well, I was baptized by Paul. You know, as one of the preachers said to me once, you know, it's an interesting thing in Christian society, what you might be so proud of might be looked down on by somebody else. You know, he said, I've got all these certificates on the wall, and I have affiliations with all different ministries, do you know why he said? Because somebody walks in and they, they look at one and go, Oh, I know that. That's really good. Looks at the other one and goes, Yeah, we don't like him. So he, he said, it, it kind of takes... No, not that I do any of this stuff. But you know, for him, he kind of understood how people are. You say that you're part of this ministry? Oh, you're wonderful. You say you're affiliated with some other ministry? Oh, we don't want to know you. You are with me? It's just the way people are. Don't let that affect you either. Amen? So it is something worth keeping in mind the next time a baptismal service is held. <laughs> Alright, we'll leave that there. Take a break and come back because where we want to go on to next, uh, I want to talk about some of these things. Amen? The reason why Jesus left Judea and some interesting things there. Alright, take a break and we'll be back in just a moment.